Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my guest today, Graham Gents. They're the designer of Under the Autumn Strangely. Welcome. Thank you, Logar. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm happy to be barbarian it up with you. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're going to go do some bar. I think it was suggested by Skeeter so we could be the Barbarian Brothers from back, in the, back in the day. <laughs> what is Under the Autumn Strangely? Under the Autumn Strangely is an experimental storytelling game about pastoral horror. Pastoral horror? What's pastoral so I love the word pastoral. And so the idea is I'm trying to invoke tone and mood. So it's it's full of this anachronistic Americana. Mm. It's a place that never was. But when you're telling the story of America, it's fundamentally a horror story. But also <laughs> yes. it's in this liminal space. It's in this thing that is in our collective consciousness. Um, a lot of the influence or maybe like the starting point for me was the show Over the Garden Wall. Um, which I feel like is a really unique combination of tones. So the mechanics of the game go with that tonal clash that you get in role-playing games all the time. Your DM is trying to tell one story, the other PC is in some wild direction, you're the goofy guy, <laughs> somebody else is very serious. And I thought how interesting that was. So instead of trying to run away from that, what if you proceduralize it? And so the idea is that it's fairly cooperative, but the three roles each have their own tone. So one person... Uh, you're in charge of whimsy. Make it silly. Make it goofy. All right. The other player, they have the pastoral stuff. They're doing the country weirdness and kind of the, the backwater thing. But one player is explicitly the horror. Okay. So now every time you say pastoral, I just keep on preaching, preaching, picturing Pastor O'Keefe growing up, the <laughs> preacher. And, and, and my mind just can't stop going. I, I pictured him preaching to us weird stuff that he used to preach to us as kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's something just a little off. I love the, the 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 texture, the emotional texture that words have. So yeah. if you pick one word, like so, I could have gone with all the same letters for the different roles. Which you, so it's it's the traveler, the terror, and I could have done one T one, but the Arcadian just really <laughs> spoke to me as the person who's in charge of that weird old old world kind of like backcountry sort of feel that when you walk into a shop in a small town and like they're not necessarily hostile but it's something a little off about it and then the terror person's the way no 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 actually there is something off about it and here's why <laughs> and like so that. you're sharing you're sharing that narrative uh, uh responsibility in my game so i read that book um and the ass saw the angel from nick cave Cage, Nick Cave, Cave. I'm getting my my Nick's confused. Yeah. Cage and Cave, <laughs> the one that sings music with Warren Ellis, uh -huh. not the Warren Ellis that makes com comic books. books. I know it's but so the confusing. Warren Ellis that makes music. <laughs> so, anyways, but but that very much puts me in the mind of of kind of like along the lines of that book that that uh this old style America that never existed, kind of. But it did, though. It did in our <laughs> minds. And we created it. We created this idea and it's still here. You know, you have this like awful MAGA stuff because it's this imagined thing. And for me, MAGA is a horror story. It's yeah. imagined, but it's no less untrue, which again gets to what I believe about storytelling and the shared space and the idea of like belief meaning things. My previous game, which was published in the free RPG day anthology level one is called Old Gods of Media. 
And it's a satire of capitalism through the lens of mythology. So oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'd, like, I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> so Under the Autumn, strangely, is a storytelling game. It's Is it not necessarily a role-playing game? Where's it is a role-playing game. I just like the term. Again, terms mean nothing. I like storytelling game because I think it, it it speaks more specifically to the shared nature of it. Um, whenever I'm in a game, if, if there is a facilitator at a GM or an MC, I like that hierarchy to be as thin as possible. Mm-hmm. I really prefer GMless games or ones where the GM role rotates because I don't believe players are empty vessels for the story to be subjected on. Mm-hmm. So Role-playing, it is a role-playing game, but oftentimes games, my favorite games, have different terms get thrown around. So again, like pastoral horror is something (laughs) that it felt right. And so I started using it. So, you know, that's why I'm using it now. So what does liminal mean? Because I I keep on seeing this pop up and I keep this game liminal and you used it. Liminal (laughs) is a space between spaces. So a border. So the idea of like the twilight zone. That's yes. definitely liminal, right? I don't know when it was, but somebody, the, the, the phrase liminal horror started popping up everywhere. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. And that's the kind of language that I like. It's the idea that this pops out of nowhere and then everyone connects with it. And then all of a sudden it's everywhere. You know, you're speaking to something that's there. That's what I try and do when I design or I make art. What is something I wish existed, but didn't? And then key into that and then just fill up my, with whatever ideas I can come up with. I I, I appreciate it. This is, this is, it's an interesting approach. So, I'm curious. Uh, one thing that I ask for most of the people that come on here, where where did you get your, your gaming start? What's your gaming history? Like, what are you into outside of this? And what took you to making your own game? Well, I'm, I'm a writer and I'm a performer. And when I was tiny, pretend was the greatest game in the world. You know, with my action figures or my books, I'm always like telling stories. You know, every Lego thing I built was ultimately this like, Robert E. Howard, like kind of world <laughs> where everything was kind of falling apart, you know? Um, and so I found uh, D&D uh, when I was like nine and was like, dang, this is amazing. <laughs> I immediately started running games and doing stuff, but then got bored and was like, well, what else is there? I found all I, you know, I found the storytelling system with vampire. I found other things. Um, uh, so by the time I was in high school and college, I was getting really experimental and really weird. I lived in New Mexico for a very long time. There was really nobody around me. I was finding games and I was sharing them with people. I'd never been to a con because, again, I look at Comic-Con and I'm like, that's not for me. It's people buying stuff. Again, it's just <laughs> like this rampant capitalism. I don't need to own things. Like, that's fine. And so I finally, finally, after years of trying, got somebody to go to Gen Con with me. And again, shared an experience. And immediately after doing One Day on the Floor, I found that there were these micro communities, these people I could hang out with, the people who were playing games, they were going to conventions to see friends like that had never occurred to me. So I ended up in this tiny con in Morristown, New Jersey called Metatopia, to this day, still my favorite con. And I I was told hey, you really should only come if you design a game. And even though I've been writing and and making things and exploring, um, there's this weird separation between, oh, "Oh, I'm doing a homebrew. Everyone's like, I got a homebrew going. I'm like, of course you do. You're a designer. So that's (laughs) the energy I like. So I met wonderful people like Ninth Level Games out of Philly. Uh, I've done work for them. Even though I've written for Kickstarters, this is the first Kickstarter I've run completely myself. So it's overwhelming, but exciting. And I'm so happy to be, again, finding this new thing to be pouring my heart into. 
So what are you playing right now? I've, I've almost finished playing all the two D20 games. So the stuff that Modiphius makes. I'm in oh, yeah. about, about to play the third session of the of Conan game. I'm curious to know more about that system itself. I've never picked it up or played it, but I've, it's been around for so long. So many people have been talking about it. How does that work mechanically? Uh, very simply, uh, it's, it's sort of like a small dice pool. And then you have a, a 2D20. Um, the target numbers are dictated by your character. They're not set. And then like a storyteller system like uh, White Wolf, um, you're trying to hit a number of successes. The best part is that they they like to play with meta currencies. The, uh, the DM has a doom pool, which you can spend, which again is um, in front of the screen. Players get to see it to make things worse, to change the story. I love stuff like that. And then the players have momentum. So every time you have your own little shared pool, every time you get excess successes, you get bonus points into here and then they get shared between players so they're like oh i kill a guy and you get that decapitation which literally has a mechanical payoff i can then use those to like make my dice pool bigger so i've been really enjoying it i mean sword and sorcery is some of my favorite stuff because i like that low magic magic gotta be scary and weird but i also like everybody like struggling you know i like dark but i don't like grim dark it's a it's a good thing i, I get that i can get know? i can get that i get that there's there's a certain element where you get to just be edgelordy and it's just like ah, there, it's, it's, it's right. a slippery slope and I, yeah. it's not fun for me <laughs> but i do like stuff very seriously or or um exploring real themes that matter you know i just don't need to like get in a pissing contest with everybody about how how edgy <laughs> yeah. i am like yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, it gets old. And here's the other on the on the contrast. And my thing is that I can't stand comedies, but I like comedic things. So like I love it when like whatever movie just doesn't take itself seriously or TV show and it's just oh we're absurd, like Douglas Adams. Totally. But if you sit me in front of a sitcom or a stand-up comedian, I'm like, I can't stand this. I know there's a line there that I can't take. So kind of on the reverse side. <laughs> there's a lot of artifice. I think I, my favorite stand-up comedians are the ones that play with structure, with mm-hmm. style, because they understand like uh, like talk shows. The whole thing is, is it's so fake. It's so created, right? So like we're going to laugh and we have our roles and you play them, you know, sitcoms. It's the most artificial possible environment. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, not not to bring it back to my game under the autumn, strangely, now on Kickstarter. I'm going to ask a question about that that <laughs> I still need to ask, but go on. It's, it's playing with those tones. I So I want there to be humor. I want there to be darkness. I want yes. there to be the world. So instead of it being like, no, either we're all on the same page or we're not, which again is this like level zero safety tool culture, which is vastly improved games and tables and their health because it encourages people to have conversations like adults what a mind-blowing concept (laughs) in in my game the idea is like no i want these things here they're going to clash they're going to pull back and forth and it's going to make the game better so that's that's what i'm excited to play with that's excellent i appreciate that now we talked a minute about system the 2d20 system what Mm -hmm. about the system for under the autumn strangely the idea is largely narrative Mm -hmm. um whether or not there is meta currencies i'm still messing with is there a, a mechanical payoff for it being traded back and forth? The main thing, the thrust of which I'm pitching is that the, the, the triangle, for all you listeners at home, I'm making a triangle with my fingers. <laughs> the relationship is tied. So if you're the terror, you have a direct relationship on your left and right to the Arcadian and the Traveler. The idea being that on your right, you can yes and them. So you have to confirm the things that they say. The person on your left though, 
you can know but them. You can contradict the things they do. So the most important one is the traveler. You're the person lost. You're there in a weird world. And what is the most dangerous thing to you? Well, it's the terror. It's the stuff that's there. So the terror player can contradict you and say no, but, and can keep adding to your details. And then the, the, the Arcadian is largely there to support or create the world for the traveler to be in. And so that's the confirming side. So this is the, the sharing, how much mechanical uh, um, weight it'll have, I'm still messing with. People have asked me, are, there, are the roles gonna rotate? Probably, I don't know, I think so. Are there gonna be dice? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I need a way for there to be consequences mechanically and that to trade with the story and then vice versa. Because for me, that's the best games have mechanics that make narrative and narrative drives the mechanics and then vice versa. Now, I, so I, often you're just sitting in a void being like, what are we doing? Why are we role-playing? Well, let's look to the 500 page rule book. Oh, it doesn't help you. <laughs> oh yeah. The bigger the rule book, the harder it is to get through this game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I love those giant books, but, but the, like what's been going on in the zine scene and everything else, like picking up these games that are self-contained in these, this smaller zine format. It's like, wow, this, these things are rich enough to run an entire game, an entire campaign. That's all I need. It's overcomplicating things. Sometimes I feel for these massive Tomes, like I need five. I've got no. Don't get me wrong. I've got tomes of books in my. <laughs> we, we, we all do. <laughs> I got plenty of books, and I love them, and I love reading them. I love the stuff in them. When it comes to running a game, I don't think I need as much as I'm being as I've been get, given in the past. <laughs> you don't. There's a couple philosophical ideas at at work here in the way that games are made. Either it's lore based. So why is it there? Or it's like a cookbook. It's supposed to be there to teach you how to make the thing. A 500 page lore book is perfectly acceptable because you're there, it's, it's world building, it's details. You can find that stuff if you want. But if it's the cookbook portion, then all of a sudden it's not a manual to run the game anymore. All of a sudden you're, you're making the job act actively harder than what you have. You compare something, you know, um, any of the, the current versions of D&D or even like Burning Wheel, to like a one-page RPG, like, um, um, I don't know, Honey Heist? Honey Heist! <laughs> <laughs> what you are is you're, you're leveraging the culture that already exists. And so a lot of that is at play for, okay, well, how much do I need to say? How many times have I read that? Um, what is a role-playing game chapter? I read yeah. it every time because <laughs> I'm still curious what people have to say and how they decide to explain it to me. And I don't, I'm not even sure that that's at a point, like when you're involved with playing some of these games like like you kind of have to be into role playing before you start picking them up this isn't even necessary like like these are role players who pick up a lot of these games they've been role playing for a minute for me that's a problem because it speaks to the 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 uh, exclusionary nature of the culture that we're building mm -hmm. um it makes it hard for people to have an on rope and it, you're, you're relying on a culture that already exists. It's hard yeah. to get new players in. Anybody who already feels like they're on the out is not going to be included. I want to be able to hand my books to anyone and them to be able to read and understand. I've, I've done a lot of childcare and work with, with kids over the years. And when I'm lucky, I get to run programs to do board games and role-playing games. And whenever it's role-playing games, 99% of the time, my higher-ups say, well, we're only going to run D&D. &D. And I've been playing D&D &D for for my entire life but people who are still smart talented interested you give them a book and they look at it and they're like they're they're sweating immediately because they don't <laughs> understand it doesn't translate into the game 
the way that we assume that it does. And for me, that's a problem of, of culture. And I think we can do better. We're coming close to time. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you online and find some of your stuff online, especially your Kickstarter? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, mostly I'm around it on Twitter at, uh, at this maybe Graham. My, uh, my game on Kickstarter is under the autumn strangely. And Logar very, very smartly told me to pin the link at the top of my account. <laughs> right now it's the video that I made in an afternoon and I'm very proud of it. And that's why it's the thing that's pinned. <laughs> it's cool. But you know what? You can also put the link in with the video on the same oh, post. Man, what a great idea. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I like this. You can just click right there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Yes, thank you so much. Now, uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon, and we could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.